Welcome to this podcast on misunderstanding and mistake brought to you by Cali. I'm Professor Jennifer Martin. There are three sets of defenses that might be used to avoid enforcement of a contract which is otherwise valid. First, capacity-related defenses. Second, assent-related defenses. And third, public policy-related defenses. The topic of this podcast is the basic concepts related to the assent-related defense of mistake. This podcast will also distinguish the doctrine of misunderstanding, which sometimes gets confused with mistake. Misunderstanding is not a defense at all, but a doctrine that, when used, prevents contract formation. Let's begin with distinguishing mistakes and misunderstandings. A mistake is a belief not in accord with the facts. Where there is a misunderstanding, though, the belief of each party is in accord with the facts, just not with each other. As such, a true misunderstanding is not a mistake at all. The well-known case of Raffles versus Wickelhouse is a good example of a case of misunderstanding. In this case, the buyer and seller made an agreement for the purchase of bales of cotton to arrive on the ship Peerless from Bombay. As it turned out, there were two ships named Peerless sailing from Bombay. The buyer believed the cotton would be on the October sailing. The seller believed the cotton would be on the December sailing. This case is one of misunderstanding because both parties' belief was actually in accord with the facts. There's no contract in this case, however, because the party's assent was not to the same contract. Thus, a case of misunderstanding prevents formation of a contract. Let's look at another example of a misunderstanding. Example number one. Marshall offered to purchase Leland's Pokemon card collection for $200. Leland accepted the offer for the Pokemon card collection. However, Leland had two collections, a regular Pokemon card collection and a Pokemon gold card collection. Marshall knew this, but believed he was purchasing all the Pokemon cards from both collections. Leland believed he was only selling the regular card collection. Under the objective theory of contracts, we have no grounds to place the responsibility on either party. The misunderstanding would prevent formation of a contract here. There is no mistake in this case. Let's turn to the doctrine of mistake. A mistake is a belief not in accord with the facts. A mistake can be unilateral by one party or mutual shared by both parties. Let's turn to mutual mistake. A mistake by both parties makes the contract voidable where the mistake is to, as to a basic assumption of the contract that has a material effect on the contract unless the party claiming the defense bears the risk of the mistake. Notice here that because the mistake is mutual, it is shared by both parties. The well-known case of Wood versus Boynton provides an example. Wood owned a small stone and sold it to Boynton for $1, with both parties ignorant about the type of stone, but guessing it was a topaz. After the stone turned out to be an uncut diamond, Wood sought to avoid the contract. The court did not grant the defense, finding there was no mistake about the stone. In order for there to be a mistake, there would have to be a belief not in accord with the facts. 
Both of the parties were uncertain about the character of the stone, such that there was no belief not in accord with the facts. Basically, both parties proceeded with less than full knowledge, so there was no defense of mistake. Notice that the case of Wood would have been different if the court had found that both parties did believe the stone to be a topaz, but it turned out to be an uncut diamond. In that case, the belief that the stone was a topaz would not be in accord with the facts of it being an uncut diamond. Let's look at two examples of mutual mistakes. Example number two. Anthony contracted to sell Tom a tract of undeveloped land which Tom intends to develop. Both Anthony and Tom believed that the land had a current approval for development without which it would be difficult and expensive if not impossible to develop. In fact, the approval had expired. Tom would seek to avoid the contract on the basis of mutual mistake. The mistake would be as to a basic assumption of the contract, the development approval. The lack of approval would have a material effect on the contract as approval would not likely be forthcoming, particularly if Anthony received more for the land than he would have without the development approval. Unless Tom bears the risk of this mistake, he would seem to have a defense here. Example number three, Jennifer contracted to sell Tracy a clarinet, which both parties believe is a Yamaha brand. As it turns out, the clarinet is a much less valuable Sonata clarinet. The contract is voidable by Tracy as there was a mistake as to a basic assumption that it was a Yamaha clarinet, which had a material effect on the exchange. The Sonata is much less valuable. Again, unless Tracy bears the risk of this mistake, she'd seem to have a defense here arising from mutual mistake. Let's turn to unilateral mistake. Because unilateral mistake is not shared by the other party, the defense is narrow. A unilateral mistake is voidable as to a basic assumption on the contract that has a material effect on the exchange and the party claiming mistake did not bear the risk, but only where one of the following two additional things are true. One, the contract would be unconscionable or two, the other party had reason to know of the mistake. Most often, cases of unilateral mistake arise from clerical or computational errors or some type of misconstruction of the specifications under the contract. Unilateral mistake does not protect a contracting party from mistakes of judgment. Let's look at some examples of unilateral mistake. Example number four. Joe, a blacksmith, sent a proposal to Harry, a general contractor, that he would do all the metalwork for Harry's project for $54,000 if Harry accepted within a reasonable time after the main contract was awarded. Harry receives bids from other contractors for the same work in the amount of $94,000, $95,000, and $102,000. Harry uses Joe's $54,000 figure in preparing and submitting his own bid, but before the bids were opened, Joe realized he had made a computational error and called Harry to revoke his bid. If Harry attempts to hold Joe to the $54,000 proposal, Joe's best defense would be that he made a unilateral mistake and that Harry had reason to know that Joe had made a computational mistake in figuring his proposal in light of 
the larger numbers used by the additional bidders. Example number five. The same as example number four, except presume that Harry had no reason to suspect Joe had made a computational mistake in figuring his proposal because Joe bid $74,000, still less than the other bidders, but not as extreme. Presume further that Joe, if he performed the project for $74,000, would sustain a loss of $10,000 instead of a profit of $10,000. Joe might still argue a defensive unilateral mistake, but could only prevail now if the court determined that enforcement of the contract would be unconscionable. Example number six. Again, the same as example number four, except presume that Harry had no reason to suspect Joe had made a computational mistake in figuring his proposal because Joe bid $84,000, still less than the other bidders, but only slightly so. Now presume that Joe, if he performed the project for $84,000, will break even on the job rather than making a profit of $10,000. While Joe might still argue a defensive unilateral mistake, his case for proving unconscionability is much weaker as he will not break even on the job. Before we conclude, it's helpful to know if a party bears the risk of a mistake. In mistake doctrine, we allocate the risk due to the presumption that sometimes a party can protect itself. A party bears the risk of mistake in three situations. One, the risk is allocated to him by agreement. Two, the risk is allocated to him because he has only limited knowledge, but treats the knowledge as sufficient. Or three, the risk is allocated when it is reasonable in the circumstances. For instance, in the case of Wood versus Boynton, it might be said that both parties bore the risk of the mistake, even if we presume there was a mistake, because they knew they had limited knowledge with respect to the true character of the stone, but did not seek certainty as to its character prior to making the contract. This is sometimes called conscious ignorance. Let's look at an example of allocation of risk by contract. Example number seven. Recall example number two, where Anthony contracted to sell Tom a tract of undeveloped land. Suppose the contract specifically disclaimed seller's responsibility for development approval. Now, it seems that Tom bears the risk of the lack of approval and he would not seem to have a mistake defense in this case. At this point, you should be able to explain that a mistake is simply a belief that is not in accord with the facts, which is why the misunderstanding doctrine is not a mistake because each party's belief is in accord with the facts, just not with each other. You should also be able to identify and explain the two types of mistakes, unilateral mistakes by one party and mutual mistakes shared by both parties, as well as when each will afford a defense to a contract. You should also be able to explain when a party might bear the risk of a mistake due to allocation of risk by contract, by conscious ignorance, or by other circumstances. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast on misunderstanding and mistake. Laudables are produced and distributed by Cali, the Center for Computer-Assisted Legal Instruction. Find more Laudables at www.cali.org laudables. 
and send your question and feedback to laudables at cali.org. That's L-A-W-D-I-B-L-E-S at C-A-L-I dot org. The Laudable theme music is Ask Me No Question by Learning Music. Laudables are for educational purposes only. Please seek an attorney if you need legal advice.